Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is Friday the 13th. This is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the first hour, we had a couple of great conversations. One with Steve West and the Liberties Roundup, looking at religious liberty concerns across the country. We also talked with Eddie Woodard and Eddie James, the skit guys, uh, stars of the brand new movie Family Camp. Adam Holtz joins us next. We're going to get his review of Family Camp from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Let me touch on a couple of headlines before we bring Adam on. Uh, Elon Musk uh, is having second thoughts. He has put his $44 billion bid to acquire Twitter on hold. Um, And so we'll see uh, what actually comes to pass or what actually happens. Uh, News that Musk may not be buying Twitter actually sent Twitter shares into uh, a tailspin today. Um, the twenty percent down just in pre-market trading and down further since the open, uh, since the opening bell. Um, so uh, Calvin Klein. Now this is maybe not a surprise, but here you go. Calvin Klein is, uh, you know, they're a famous fashion company, right? Calvin Klein has uh, entered into the transgender um, marketing conversation, feature- featuring a quote pregnant man in one of its latest ad campaigns posted on Instagram. Uh, And just to be clear, there is no such thing as a pregnant man. Because we have to speak the truth when when we're confronted in culture with things that are simply not true. We need to point them out and say so. Uh, And in another strange development, Taco Bell is apparently hosting drag queen brunches. I don't know why you'd go uh, to Taco Bell for brunch anyway, but apparently if you do... Um, there is a five-stop tour of um, of this drag queen brunch going on at Taco Bell across the country. <clears throat> um, a majority of Americans, just so you, if you're wondering to yourself, am I the only person who thinks that the trans agenda is not healthy for the culture? No, you're not the only person who thinks that. A majority of Americans actually oppose providing um transgender surgeries um, and anti-puberty blockers for minors. Um, So it's important to recognize, like, just because there's an overwhelming amount of noise about it in the culture, it doesn't mean that a majority of people actually agree with a particular um, advocacy agenda item. It's just that not very many people are willing to stand up and say, that's not right. That's not right. Um, And let me go on record as saying uh, puberty blockers are not right. That's not right. Um, Surgeries that are designed to remove healthy functional organs in order to um, satisfy someone's dysphoria about their body are not right. That's not medicine and that's not healthcare. That's not right. 
Um, and if you've ever said to yourself, uh, all right, no one's ever going to have a more awkward day at work than the day I had. So think about your most awkward day at work. When was that? Like, bring it to mind. Uh, I was thinking when I read this headline today about um, this individual's most awkward day at work, I thought about Steve Harvey. Remember when he announced the wrong name at the end of the 2015 Miss Universe pageant? Yeah, that was an awkward day at work, right? Well, um, something similar has happened. The Mega Millions lottery host called out the wrong number. The wrong number. Yeah, definitely the most awkward day at work. Um, Might give you some fodder for conversation today. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In joins us next. He's going to give us a review of Family Camp, which we just discussed in the last hour with the Skit Guys. Um, We're also going to talk about a documentary called The Matter of Life. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Good morning, good sir. Good morning, Carmen. It's been a minute. Great to talk to it's, you. It's great to have you back. Okay, so um, I, please don't bust my bubble. Uh, we're going to see Family Camp tonight. Please yeah. say nice things about it. I will say nice things about it. So, um, you know, you had Tommy uh, Woodward and Eddie James on briefly <clears throat> in your last segment. I actually don't, didn't hear it. I don't know if it was brief or not. It was um, It was brief. It was briefly. You, you were right. Yeah. That was accurate. And I'm still coughing pneumonia out of my lungs, so forgive me if I spit a little bit here. Um, Here's my thought. When I hear the phrase Christian comedy, Mm -hmm. I kind of hold my breath, right? Mm Because Christian comedy, if we're telling the truth, it can kind of be like dad jokes. Dads think they're funny. Everybody else is cringing like mad, hiding their faces in shame that their dad just cracked this joke. And dad's like... What? What? That was really funny. Okay. I am I'm really happy to tell you and I won't burst your bubble. This is a genuinely funny movie by two guys who really I think understand from an insider perspective the idiosyncrasies and the little weirdnesses of Christian culture that we can gently poke fun at. Uh and the structure of the story is you have two very different families who end up in a yurt, which is like a, you know, a, a Mongolian tent uh, at, at Christian family camp together. One of those families is headed by a guy who his wife has pretty much drug him there, kicking and screaming, and he thinks it's going to be too Jesus-y. So he's a believer, but, you know, he's focused on his job, on his cell phone. His, his family's on their phones too much. Mom's concerned about their tech habits. The other family is a guy that maybe is the guy that the first guy fears becoming because everything is about Jesus, like almost to a fault. And so you have a guy who wants to spiritualize everything. And he's really afraid that if he doesn't sort of take control of that, you know, his kids are going to become wayward and drift off. And so both of these fathers and both of these families have a lot to learn about themselves, about God, about marriage, about family. Uh, and we get lots of yuck, yuck, yucks in the woods, you know, with bee stings and all manner of silly comedic things. Uh, thankfully, none of those things are are problematic. This is a great movie. 
you know, a couple of moments are, you know, uh, a very, very sly wink to parents. There might be a, a tinge of sensuality, but I mean, nothing really here content wise. So um, I'm happy to report we thought this movie was a breath of fresh air. Uh, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, boy, I don't know. We'll have to see. But I think it really works. Uh, and I'm actually uh, I'm actually telling you the truth. I'm not just being nice because it's a Christian movie. <laughs> All right. Um, and then there's a documentary that uh, we we want to talk about, and it's called The Matter of Life. And the full review uh, you can find at PluggedIn.com. But tell us about The Matter of Life. Uh, the Matter of Life is in theaters next week as a limited Fathom events release. And it's in theaters on Monday and Tuesday. And it really dives into, you know, this question that is now back at the forefront of our cultural consciousness, which is, the question of abortion, the question of Roe v. Wade, the question of when does life start? And I think as Christians, um, many, if not most of us, affirm that life absolutely begins at conception. You can't philosophically or theologically parse it any other way when you think about it. But we live in a culture that absolutely denies that truth, and we have kids coming up in this culture who are, you know— being fed the pro-choice argument, which is, you know, it's about entitlement, it's about control, it's about self-determination, you know, all of these seemingly good-sounding values uh, that are marshaled as arguments to terminate unborn life. And so where I think there's value with this documentary that really digs into philosophically and theologically, what do we know about when life begins? And we hear from you know, pro-life experts, we hear from Christians, we hear from theologians, we hear from women who have had abortions. I think the value in a movie like this is maybe not for those of us who are well-established in our convictions, but how do we begin to really help the next generation navigate this issue and understand what's at stake? And so um, there's some hard stuff here. We can't talk about abortion without talking about the inherent horrific violence of the fact that a human being is is being killed in this procedure. There's no way around that. But I think that this this documentary does a pretty good job of uh, of navigating that in a way that I think for you know if you've got 15, 16, 17 year old teens, uh, maybe especially girls, but also boys, and you want to have a conversation starter about here's where we're at, here's why this is so important. Um, I think this could be a great jumping off point for that kind of conversation with perhaps children, perhaps even grandchildren uh, in your life or, uh, you know, others that you have the the privilege of being able to influence. Super helpful. All right. We're going to continue our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In in just a moment. We're going to talk about parents, kids and smartphones. We're going to talk about the influence YouTube is having on your kids. And we're going to talk about um, the ethical choices that we need to be thinking about ethical decision-making in terms of what we post on TikTok. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Throw me like a stone in the water, watch the mud rise up. Dress me like a lamb for the slaughter, pour me in your cup. Continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Adam, take us into this conversation about parents, kids, and smartphones. There are actually parents who are not giving their kids smartphones or access to them. Well, and I think that's the core of, of this article that's on the Washington Post that you're referencing, that as parents, we can think, uh, and I confess I, I'm 
going to label myself among this group that a smartphone is just a given that um, our kids have to have them. Um, and, and every family has to figure out what their boundaries are here. But uh, what this article talks about is a small uh, but strident and passionate group of parents who have basically said, no, we're not getting smartphones for our teens, period, end of discussion. And what I like about this article is sometimes when the culture goes all frog in the kettle and everybody thinks, well, we just have to do something because this is the way it is, um, we actually still have the ability to say no. Now, that requires discipline, that requires requires consistency, that requires that we get our own acts together as parents. Uh, but I like this article from the Washington Post because it, it reminds us that parents can actually still be parents. And I think uh, in our culture, sometimes parenting, it feels like it's under assault from so many directions that that we can just give up the battle and not think there's any other option. Yeah. So uh, it's a good conversation and it's a good conversation <clears throat> to have with our kids. Talk with us a little bit. Um, you've got a blog at PluggedIn.com um, on uh, kids and the influence that YouTube is having on our kids. I, let me just tell you, I think that parents don't know how easy it is for kids to get drawn in deeper and deeper and deeper. So talk with us about what's going on here. Well, YouTube is... Um... Boy, there's so much that we could say here. What I will say is that YouTube is one of the most popular destinations for kids when it comes to entertainment and what they're doing online. I will also very quickly say that in the last year or so, TikTok has come storming onto the scene as sort of YouTube light. Like mm -hmm. YouTube gives you funny videos and all this stuff. TikTok takes that and condenses it into shorter videos. And so I think you can almost think of TikTok as a mini-me of YouTube. But what we get here are – there are a whole bunch of considerations, right? There's the content itself. Your kids may be getting um, – content that's inappropriate sexually in terms of language if you don't have those filters turned on and maybe even if you do there is a youtube's kids thing but it's not perfect no filter is perfect and youtube's default settings usually are to just keep playing you videos like the one you just watched so if you watch a video if you have a teen daughter who watches a video on body image she might get another one on dieting and before you know it, she could be into, you know, a pro anorexia video. I mean, uh, but even if you don't have content issues that are that make you raise a red flag, the model here is constant and continual consumption, consumption of the video and oftentimes consumption of products, because so much of this stuff is designed to get you to buy something. Uh, and so I think that that we have worldview and content questions on multiple levels here. Um, and let me also say, <clears throat> without sounding like I'm just throwing all the baby out with the bathwater, there are some things that I really appreciate about YouTube. Uh, my son has learned tons of guitar stuff on YouTube. He takes things apart, you know, and puts them back together. And so YouTube is not a, oh, it's all bad, we have to throw it out. But we do really need to engage as parents. And our kids are engaging there. They're engaging on TikTok. And if we don't know what they're doing, there's a possibility that they could be engaging with content that would be really disturbing to us and just developing that appetite 
to consume digital content continually. And I and in some ways I think that may be even a bigger issue than the specific problematic things that they might bump into. You mentioned TikTok. Um, there's probably at least some people who aren't even familiar with it, um, but it is a wildly popular social media yeah. platform. TikTok videos are generally short, but they can be strung together so that, you know, they're they're longer than they originally were. Um, some people are choosing to post things on TikTok that raise privacy questions and certainly ethical concerns. So yeah. um, this article in The Wall Street Journal is interesting. Talk with us about the choice uh, of whether or not to post videos showing our family members who have dementia. Yeah, this is a really interesting article, uh, and I, it's interesting because I think it raises important ethical questions about consent, and there's a growing movement to try to help people understand what dementia looks like, and uh, and so we may get videos of people, you know, exhibiting some dementia-like uh, symptoms or characteristics, and so it's not that they're necessarily trying to make fun of them or to put a funny video up at their expense. Although I'm sure there's some of that too, because that's the nature of TikTok. Uh, but there's this idea that if we can help people see this, maybe we can help the conversation. I think that's a well-intended potentially motivation, but if you have somebody with dementia that doesn't know what's going on, you've got all sorts of rights and consent issues that maybe that person doesn't want to be the poster child for what dementia looks like. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't really think of TikTok as <clears throat> the vanguard of, you know, forward social thinking and helping us deal seriously with life's issues. It's not a place that you go to have your worldview transformed on, uh, you know, a subject like dementia uh, and so even if something's well-intended, how many of those viral videos are people watching because not because, oh, man, that really helped me understand it better, but, oh, look at what this old crazy guy did because he had no idea what he was doing. And so, uh, again, anytime we post something online, we have to ask the question, is there another way that somebody could see this that even if I'm doing it earnestly and innocently, that could get taken out of context? And I think... In a broader sense, that has to do with videos and pictures we post of our kids, you know, mm -hmm. that once you release something into the wild on the Internet, you no longer have control of how people are interacting with that content. Uh, and I think we need to keep that in mind here, too. Oh, that's really helpful. Um, all right. Um, one more quick headline, and that's related to Barbie. Barbie yeah. is still really big business, um, but Barbie uh, isn't just Barbie anymore. Talk about um uh, talk about this rollout of, you know, there's a Barbie in a wheelchair, there's a Barbie with hearing aids. Talk with us a little bit about the new Barbie. Yeah, I I, um, I think sometimes when we look at efforts to expand exclusivity or, or inclusivity, I should say, sorry, sometimes I can roll my eyes a little bit and say, oh, wow, that feels really politically correct. I actually think this is super helpful. We have um, not only different races of Barbies, but we have a new Barbie that is in a wheelchair. Um, we have a Barbie that has, uh, I'm not, how do you pronounce this? Is it Vitiglio? Vitiglio? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Vitiglio. This, the, mm -hmm. Vitiglio, the skin disorder that can cause baldness. 
Um, and I think that Barbie, you know, we've got a Barbie with a prosthetic leg. Um, Barbie has, I think, rightly been criticized for decades as reinforcing really unhealthy beauty stereotypes and standards in our culture. And I love that they're really actually trying to say, here are some representations of real things in the real world that you might not think of as beautiful. But I think if you had a, a little girl that was wrestling with that, it could be really helpful for her. So, yeah. um, you know, and I'm sure that there will be continuing to blur the boundaries with transgender stuff. There's one, one of these Barbies definitely has sort of a trans look about uh, he or she, I can't really figure out which it is. Um, so it's not maybe a hundred percent good, but, but I like this. I like the direction here and I like the attempt to say, man, let's represent some other people who may not feel beautiful, but maybe we can help them out with this. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, people actually like to play with, with dolls that look like them. So I, I appreciate that. Um, all right, uh, Adam, as always, thank you so much. There are, you know, just tons of other things that we could talk about. You guys ought to check out the just tons of resources posted at PluggedIn.com. If you're trying to figure out, you know, what games are out there and you you, you want to know about them before you think about letting your kids play them or certainly buy them. Um, I, I love the reviews of gaming uh, that you can find in at PluggedIn.com. Shows, movies, on and on and on. Cultural topics, find it all at PluggedIn.com. Ministry of Focus on the Family. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Do you love God greatly? Well, what does it mean to love God greatly? How do you how do you know that you're loving God? And how do you know the God you're loving? Love God Greatly is a movement. It is an effort to um, invite women not only into the study of Scripture, but to the integration of Scripture into their lives. We're going to have the privilege of talking with Angela Parrott. She's the founder and director of Love God Greatly. And she joins us today with a new version of the Love God Greatly Bible. This one is for young women, 13 to 18 years old. What a great resource. Love God Greatly, up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thrilled to be welcoming now Angela Parrott. She's the founder and director of Love God Greatly. She is also the general editor of the Love God Greatly Bible uh, from a couple of years ago, and now the Young Women Love God Greatly Bible. Um, Angela, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on with you this morning. Well, it's a joy to have you. Um, For those of you listening, lovegodgreatly.com is the website where you can find um, information, more information about everything that we're talking about today and direct access to the resources we're discussing as well. Um, Angela, talk with us about your passion for women studying the Word of God um, and why the study of Scripture and the integration of the Bible into our lives is is actually imperative if we want to love God greatly. Well, really, in order to love God greatly, we need to know him, right? And so really the foundation is being in God's word, reading it for ourselves, learning to um, not only just read it, but really um, learn to listen to the Lord and apply it to our lives. 
And when we are able to do that, we can grasp how much God loves us. And then our response truly, once we understand this, our response then is to um, turn around and really love him greatly with our lives, surrender our lives um, and really live for him and realize that even just the purpose of our lives is to bring glory um, to God. And so really that foundation is just starting and being in God's word ourselves as women, finding our strength in scripture um, and also just understanding and seeing God's faithfulness through the Bible, um, how he's been with his people, how he continues to be with his people and how he is continuing to be with us in our current day. So when you, you know, consider your own context, your own life, the people in your own home, um, you know, there's an obvious desire not only to uh, have a Bible and Bible studies that help you personally do this or help your girls personally do this. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But you have looked around the world and you have seen sisters in Christ in all kinds of places and your heart has been turned toward them. And you've you've had this amazing concern for women to have Bible studies, not only in their own language, but that speak to the realities of their social location. Can you talk about this passion um, as a part of Love God Greatly for women everywhere? Yeah, absolutely. So really, you know, it just started, um, you know, we were doing our studies in English, right? And it really, as we were doing our studies in English, I had a sweet friend in Venezuela reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I am loving your studies. I'm actually, my husband and I are missionaries in Venezuela. We're going to the jungles of Venezuela. We're translating our studies in Spanish. And, um, you know, one, do you mind? And is that okay? And, you know, just asking for permission. And I was like, oh my goodness. Yes, that's amazing. Thank you for doing that. And then the guy just really used the opportunity to show me just this incredible need of outside the English language, um, you know, how there really aren't um, a lot of Bible studies, and especially there aren't Bible studies for women. And so that's really how God birthed just, you know, through Love God Greatly, we, train, we create six to seven Bible studies a year, we translate them into about 40 different languages, and then distribute them around the world. And really, it comes just from, you know, our desire as sisters in Christ you know, loving our other sisters in Christ around the world. What I have, I want to make sure my other sisters in Christ have that also, have that opportunity. And so that's really what we do is just, you know, have these Bible studies, create these Bible studies that are written with women in mind um, to help teach them to be in God's word, but also know God's word and know God's love for, uh, for them also. All right, now let's talk um, specifically about the Love God Greatly Bible um, so there's this 2020 edition that's really for everybody. And now there's this new edition, the Young Women Love God Greatly Bible um, that's just released. Talk talk a little bit about the first one so that people have a sense of what the Love God Greatly Bible includes. And then we're going to talk about um, why there's a young women's version and what's in it. Yeah, so our Love God Greatly Bible is just you know, it's just beautiful, not only, you know, obviously, you know, just how it looks, but also just in the content, not only just with the scripture, but the devotionals. And what makes our Love God Greatly Bible so unique is we have this worldview. Every single um, book of the Bible has a country profile. 
not only do we have, you know, introductions to that book, the Bible, we have a country profile. And then we also have a testimony of a woman from that country, um, just sharing how God is moving and working in her life in that nation. And so I just think it's really important nowadays um, to really, you know, realize that God is moving all over the world and he's working in women's lives. Um, all over the world. And I just, what an encouragement that is to us, you know, in the body of Christ. And so I love God greatly Bible, you know, um, has, you know, even every single book of the Bible has ways to pray for that nation, to pray for that country, a little bit of the, the uh, history of that nation. Um, and then obviously we have our incredible Bible reading plan. So every book of the Bible has a soap um, Bible reading plan to help women engage scripture, to have a plan. So instead of just opening God's word and being like, okay, like, you know, like, where do I start? Um, we have a Bible reading plan for every single book of the Bible um, to help them know, you know, where to start and how to read it. Um, and then we also have just beautiful devotions um, throughout the Bible to help encourage women as they read God's word um, and apply scripture to their lives. It's almost like a, like a group of friends just kind of traveling with you uh, through the Bible as, as you're reading it. All right, you refer in there um, to the SOAP method of studying the Bible. Mm -hmm. We better tell people what that is. Yeah, so SOAP method is just a very simple framework, easy way to interact with God's Word. Basically, what it stands for is the S stands for Scripture. So you basically have a passage of Scripture that you read, and then just a couple verses that you actually will write out in a journal. And so you'll write out those script, those uh, verses in the journal, and then the O stands for um um, observation. So basically observation is, you know, what's going on in this passage? You know, who's the author? Is a repetition of words? What basically can I observe from reading, from looking at this passage? And then the A stands for application. Now, after, you know, reading it, observing it, how can I, what is God saying to me? How can I apply this truth to my life? And then the last part is P for prayer, just basically praying God's word back. It's a very simple yet effective way um, to be in God's word. It truly can just take, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. But what's great about it is instead of just opening God's word and just, you know, like reading a chapter, you know, quickly and then putting it away, you're actually forced to meditate on scripture and apply it to your life so that as you're going about your busy days as, you know, as, you know, working moms or stay at home moms or, you know, running errands or whatever, picking up kids, um, you can actually meditate on scripture as you're doing that because it stays with you. Um, and so it is, it's just a really effective way. And then of course we use it through our translations and it's a great way um, for women to learn to interact um, with God's word as well. We're talking with Angela Parrott. She's the founder and director of Love God Greatly. You can find Love God Greatly online at lovegodgreatly. I better click on it. dot com. dot uh, where what what is our lovegodgreatly. dot dot com? Uh, what uh -huh. help me help me out, Angela? Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and we're going to talk specifically about the Young Women's Love God Greatly Bible, which I have in my hands right now. It's absolutely beautiful. It's specifically designed for women ages 13 to 18, although I will confess, I think it uh, skews for women of every age um, who yes. are new to Scripture study um, and who want to engage with the Bible. Um, so if you've just thought to yourself, you know what, I um, I'm looking for something as a end of the year gift or for a girl who is interested in um, in the things of the faith, but you just really don't even know where to start in terms of discipleship, this is a great way to um, bless somebody uh, here at the end of the school year or as summer begins. 
um, as you think about um, the the girls who are becoming women, this is a wonderful way to invite them into a lifetime of discipleship. So the Love God Greatly Bible, we're going to talk about the young women's um, version of it in just a moment. And yes, for those of you wondering, I do have a very few copies of it to give away today. Um, if you want to enter the drawing, text the word book to 877 933-2484. We'll continue our conversation with Angela Parrott in just a moment. Continuing our conversation with Angela Parrott, we're talking about Love God Greatly. It is uh, a, it's actually a whole set of ministries, but you can find it at lovegodgreatly.com. We're talking today specifically about the Young Women's Love God Greatly Bible. And yes, we're giving away uh, a very few copies along with a Love God Greatly book bag. Uh, you can enter that drawing by texting the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Angela, talk about the inspiration in your own home for the Young Women's Love God Greatly Bible. Yeah, so it honestly has just been an absolute honor and joy to uh, be able to create this Love God Greatly women, Young Women's Bible. Um, I'm actually a mom of a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 10-year-old, all three girls. And so it has just been an absolute joy of being able to, as a mom, look at this project and be like, okay, what special features do we want included in this for this next generation? And so what we've done, not only is, again, this Bible absolutely beautiful, not only do we have our SOAP Bible reading plans um, in this Bible, but we've included some other special features, um, features like we, we've included um, heroes of the past. So these heroes of the past are like, let's say, let's say for example, like Moses and, and Ruth and Esther, um, Bible stories that we know where we're showing God's faithfulness in the Bible. But then we went beyond that and we actually looked at church history. We actually looked at women throughout different periods of time in different areas of the world. And we showed God's faithfulness in their life, all with the purpose of saying God has been faithful um, through our Bible, but after the Bible was written, he continued to be faithful. He's been faithful in our church history. And you know what? He's going to be faithful in your life as well. And just giving them that encouragement for this next generation um, of helping them understand that God is with you and he will continue to be with you. And yes, we are all going through hard times, but that does not mean he will not be with us. He promises he's always, um, he's always with us. He'll never leave us. and He'll never forsake us. So we've included those special features. Uh, we also have kind of like the women's Bible. We have um, country profiles for every single book, of the Bible, but uh, we have country profiles from young women uh, from these different nations. And so I think it's really encouraging just to read other young women's um, stories and their testimonies of how God's working in their life. And then we have devotions that are written by young women also. Um, of course, we have beautiful maps and features. So this Bible is truly unlike any other young women's Bible out there, um, just in, you know, not only just the look of it, how beautiful it is, but with our Bible reading plans, with our country profiles, with our um, heroes of the past, we also have mentor letters that I've written. Um, just my heart to this next generation of loving them and encouraging them uh, to know God and to love him greatly with their lives. So one of the features that I appreciate um, when you talk about the country, uh, you know, you're bringing these countries into focus. And so, you know, there's just lots of people that they don't even know geographically where things are in the world. Um, right. So I appreciate that yeah. you, you know, you highlight that. I'm looking here at the beginning of uh, your introduction. 
in the Young Women's Love God Greatly Bible to Second Kings. And I love that you, you know, share the Hebrew um, in yes, terms of, yeah. you know, how I might find that. Um, and then when I turn the page, the country focus is Ukraine. Um, and you oh, introduce okay. us, you know, very briefly to Ukraine and you offer a prayer. Um, you offer a little mm-hmm. bit of history. And then this testimony from Julia. Um, yeah. Julia says the time to start changing uh, my heart came after repentance. That was an awesome time when I met God and everything seemed so beautiful and easy. And after a while, the emotional high faded and I needed to make more effort to keep growing in my relationship with the Lord. She goes on, you know, to, you know, to testify about how God has changed her and the importance of scripture study in, in that, um, she's so real, right? And her concerns are now my concerns because I see things happening in her country that even when this went to print, you know, was not reality. And so I wonder like, where's Julia now and how is Julia now? And, um, you know, is she is she safe? Does she have fellowship? Um, yeah. And and she is loving the God that I love, and He is loving her greatly. Um, and she is able to have access to the scriptures in her own language and a community of believers um, because she's connected to the body of Christ in very intimate and significant ways. And I just wonder if you would just reflect for a moment on the power of the connective tissue of the body of Christ around the world that you've had the privilege of experiencing through this ministry of love God greatly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been amazing just to be able to see. I mean, I think that's one of the things I'm so passionate about is just all of us as Christians, you know, we're all on the same team and working together and advancing the kingdom together um, and supporting each other. And that's one of the things we do with love God greatly is we're not just, you know, women's um, and young women's Bible studies, but we're actually developing and creating um, communities of like-minded women around the world to do exactly this, to love each other, to encourage each other, to support each other, to help us, you know, um, just keep our eyes on the Lord and, you know, persevere through hard times and celebrate good times together. Um, That community, you know, is truly so important. Um, And that's why even honestly, at the end of this, actually about in a week and a half, we are gathering um, 50 women from around the world for um, a women's leadership intensive, where we're not only just training them as leaders to go back into their countries, more of a grassroots effect of gathering um, women around scripture, but just the time to pray together and to encourage each other. Um, you know, we, we all need that right now, especially after coming out of the pandemic. So how can we pray for you as you are um, engaged in this critical discipleship ministry of love God greatly? Like how, how can we pray for you today? Yeah, well, I would, would love prayer. Honestly, like I said, um, you know, in about a week and a half on May 22nd, um, we have women from you know, 50 women from around the world. We're all be flying to Spain uh, for a week. And just, you know, whenever we do this, it's a wonderful, but there's always tons of spiritual warfare and stuff. And so mm-hmm. if you could just pray for us and our families as we're leaving you know, families and traveling, um, traveling there, just pray for our time there. Um, you know, just the words that we're saying and sharing and teaching, um, that our hearts will just continue to be knitted and just, you know, just favor over that whole event because we do this every two years. And so the world has drastically changed since we did it, uh, October of, you know, 2019. And, um, I'm excited to be with my sweet sisters in Christ. And, um, yeah, if you could just pray for that, for that time, um, I would so appreciate it. We're going to do it right now. Father, we come before you in the spirit of Christ and in the fellowship with one another as believers across time and space and geography, uh, people listening all over the world right now. 
And so in the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace of Jesus Christ, we lift up this event um, starting May the 22nd, and we we ask, Father, that you would reveal yourself um, through this Love God Greatly event that for these 50 women who are flying to Spain, there would be not only travel mercies, but there would be um, everything taken care of at home that needs caring for in their absence, that the that the enemy would be bound in any and every effort um, prowling around their lives, their husbands, their families, their communities, their churches, their work. Father, bind bind the enemy, that only your will uh, be done actively at home and uh, in this gathering uh, as they as they come together to love you greatly and to uh, experience together your great love, and then to go forth um, with with hearts encouraged and lives knit more fully together to do your work in the world. Father, grant your grace in this matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. Angela, um, thank you so much. You guys can visit with Angela online, lovegodgreatly.com. If you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies of the Young Women's Love God Greatly Bible and book bag that we have to give away today, text the word book to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four, and again, this is just a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful gift resource um, for young women, not only teenagers, thirteen to eighteen, but I think that older, uh, that that next set uh, as well in that college and young adult career age. The young women's love God greatly Bible. Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Absolutely. We'll be right back for a little last tidbit on this Friday with mornings with Carmen. All right, as we enter into this weekend, I recognize that there are graduations going on. I recognize that there are events across the country related to Special Olympics. I also recognize there are weddings back in full swing and that we have neighbors across the upper Midwest um, picking through and picking up um, following massive storms across the region. also recognize there are a lot of folks anticipating uh, the release of... um, of rulings by the Supreme Court on Monday. And yes, there's a war in Ukraine. Um, There are going to be lots of things going on in the world that might uh, vie for our attention this weekend. Um, Let's be sure, let's be sure that we start where we must begin. And that is before the Lord with him in concerted times of prayer and scripture study. Let's be sure we're in the word of God before we try to deal with all of the challenges that we face in the world that God so loves, let's um, let's allow ourselves to be fully equipped by the Spirit for the work God has prepared in advance for us to do as His ambassadors in this generation. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.